Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So the Bucs are going to the White House. First Tampa Bay team, world championship team to have such an honor bestowed on them for various reasons. And I, Steve Ersnick, will be going as well. So you're going to see Joe. Yeah, well, I'll see uh, President. I assume you mean Joe Biden, or are you talking about another Joe? That I'm well, I was referring to Joe Biden, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. the president's supposed to be there. I assume the Bucks may uh, gift him with a a number, what, 46 jersey? Is that right? Is yeah. 46? No, will he know president? what's going on or who's there? Why do you got to go there? <laughs> so why I, are you making this political? I see well, people on Twitter say that all the time. No, I'm I not. I know, I'm but just... you, you, you jump on the political thing right away, <laughs> which I can't stand. Um, we try to keep this show, you know, not. I just, not I just think there's a lot of funny memes about it that I just laugh at. I mean, you know, yeah, it's just, but it's so, t- it's so played. Oh, a- absolutely, mean, absolutely. It's like Trump's hair. I mean, I'm just, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of funny memes about that too. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't. Not funny, not funny, not funny, as Caliendo would say, Terry Bradshaw would say. But anyway, um, look, it's always an honor. This is a big deal. You know, and it came together quickly. Late last week, I had I had reported something about this. I think on Friday, um, the actual invitation didn't go out um, until. Well, I guess I guess White House began sending invitations. To some of the players or the organization letting them know when this would occur. Uh, it should be, and I don't think it's official yet. It should be like from noon to one o'clock um, p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday afternoon. They're going to go up and back. They'll they'll take a, a plane, a contingent up there, and then come back the same day. I don't know how many players, uh, staff. Um, I do know Bruce Arians is supposed to go. Tom Brady is supposed to go I was going to well. say, wait, is Tom going to go? Because he's good friends with Donald Trump. I mean, that's what it was all about yeah. you know, years well, ago. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, this is not, you know, again, trying to be on the up and up. First of all, can you imagine a scenario where Tom Brady wouldn't, like, want his face celebrating yet another Super Bowl win at the White House or any other place for that matter? He's... You know, he's probably been there as much or more than anybody. But I, I got to believe that this is all, you know, there will be cameras rolling for Tom Brady and his production company as as part of his, you know, next uh, documentary that we're, well, I'm sure they're planning. But no, I, I think Tom has every expectation of going. And, and you know what he should. I mean, his teammates are going to be there. This is, this is going to be an interesting week because this week begins – uh, all about 2020. It's it's uh, the the visit to the White House. It's uh, getting the ring ceremony, um, which is going to be Thursday, I believe. And there's unfortunately that's screwed up because of all the uh, COVID protocols with the NFL. Um, and then and then they they quickly got to shift gears. You know they go from Thursdays, uh, you know the, the best day for players when they get their rings, etc. Uh, after winning the Super Bowl uh, in their families, and then. Saturday they report to training camp and Sunday's the first workout. I mean that that's how quickly you have to turn the page. Uh but this is the this is the final sort of taking your bows for what you uh you know for what you accomplished in 2020 which was quite a lot. And and you know I mentioned it, this is unbelievable like it's you know every Tampa Bay team that has won a world championship or a championship in their sport 
uh, has been denied what is a you know a fairly tradition you know traditional uh, visit to the White House. And um, of course, you know we know back in two thousand and three, uh, right after the Bucks won, sometime after they won, uh, the Iraq invasion occurred. So during wartime, they they you know very rarely ha- host uh, this sort of stuff. And then. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, won in the 2003-2004 season, and then there was a lockout. So there was no NHL season after that. So that, that became a bit problematic, I guess, in its own right. And then last year, um, you know, the Lightning's first or second championship overall with the one they won in the bubble, it was COVID. I mean, nobody was allowed to go anywhere. They weren't allowed to play in front of fans, and the White House was pretty much shut down uh, from, from visitors and things like that, and there was a lot going on politically as well. So yeah, this so, so the Bucks finally will get their trip, and hopefully the Lightning will follow that up uh, in due time. Yeah, perhaps the Lightning will go in September when training camp happens, or you know, much like the Bucks are doing, or possibly when the Lightning are in DC to face the Capitals this year. That, it could happen then too. So yeah, and we're we're assuming that the NHL. I mean, we don't know what obviously with COVID and everything's going to do, are we assuming they're going to go back to their normal divisions and things like that next year? That is the assumption. I think there's still some issues with Canada and travel, although, you know, now the MLS is playing in, in, in Canada, Montreal and Toronto hosting games. And now the blue Jays are going to be hosting games starting July 30th. They're leaving Buffalo to go back to, to uh, Toronto and the sky dome there. And, and actually it's funny. The Rays will play the blue Jays in three different parks for road games this year. Yeah, weird. Dunedin, Buffalo, and Toronto. <laughs> They're um, going back to Toronto, thank God, after all this time. So, uh, you know, assuming, you know, they're making travel plans for that, I can't imagine that the NHL is going to deviate too much now going forward. So, well, let's hope not. Let's hope everything holds tight. But yeah, so this is a, uh, a, a this is a first. This is a, a first for Tampa Bay and, and, you know, certainly something that, uh, I know Bruce Arians is looking forward to a lot of the a lot of the coaches and players. Listen, I'll just say this: um, anytime you have a chance or you're invited to the White House, the People's House, I don't again, not, not, I don't want to make this political because it shouldn't be. It's a celebration of your accomplishments, and um, that is a that is hallowed ground. And, and I don't know uh, for those who are listening to podcasts have been there. Um, and when I say been there, you know, certainly if you've been to Washington D.C., hopefully you've seen the monuments and done some of the touring and. Um, you know, the White House has not always been open, depending on what's going on in the world. But um, if if you've had an opportunity to tour it, um, and usually they they limit those tours, you know, in general, but also to a specific part of the, usually the East Wing, not the West Wing, obviously. Um, it's really fascinating. Uh, I'm a I'm kind of a history nerd when it comes to stuff like that. Like I love. Uh, reading about the beginning of this country and, and particularly Washington and, you know, how, how DC, um, the architecture and how it was laid out and, uh, and why and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's a cool place. And I'll just tell a quick story. It may not be that quick, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story uh, about, this is not my first trip to the White House. <laughs> um, and, it's it's still I still kind of get goosebumps when I think about it because like I said I am a bit of a nerd but this was a complete fluke on my part but again it happened because I covered the Buccaneers years ago and I mean years and years ago to the point where I couldn't exactly pinpoint the year except to tell you that Bill Clinton was president and it was his second term I believe uh, in fact I know it was because there are some jokes about uh, when we were there but uh, it was it was his second term and. 
um, it turns out that it was kind of you know the way it, the way it came about was the Bucks were playing a preseason game uh, in Washington against the Redskins, uh, which they used to do quite often, and there was a guy I think I see him on TV on CNN for now now and again. If it's the same guy, and I, I could could be wrong about this, but his name is Jack Wackrow. And he, at that time, I believe, if I got the right guy, um, certainly somebody whose name sounds like that, but this gentleman was the uh, the head of the Secret Service at the White House. Now, he had served several administrations, because if you think about it, if your job is to, is to protect the White House, you probably like to have the same guy do it more than four years, you know, because about the time he figures out the best way to do it, you don't want to have to train somebody else. So uh, there is a Secret Service detail um, specifically assigned to the White House itself. And he was in charge of all those gentlemen and, and anybody that uh, were there to protect the, the first family and the president. And Mark Asanovich at the time uh, was the Bucks' strength coach. And at that time, you remember when creatine was sort of like all the rage, mm-hmm. right? A lot of guys, a lot of athletes were doing creatine. It, was, it became controversial and then banned, actually, by the NFL and some other leagues. And creatine was one of these things that just – uh, it jacked you up. I mean, you you know you got swole, as they say. You got some muscles out of it right away. However, uh, it was controversial because um, it, it could potentially cause kidney damage. You had to drink a ton of water and hydrate yourself with it, uh, like a lot of supplements. But uh, it worked, and, and, and yet it didn't, you know, I'm not sure if it improved performance or not. But the Bucks had several players, including among them Mike Allstott, that was using creatine. It was legal at that time. So this particular uh, Secret Service guy um, read a story in Sports Illustrated about creatine and about the effects of it. And, and Mark Asanovich, who was the Bucks' uh, strength coach, uh, uh, he said basically he was against it, that he thought it was, even though his players used it, um, he thought it was something that uh, probably shouldn't should be banned and um, wasn't a big proponent of it at the time for, for various things. And so uh, this gentleman, Wackrow, invited, he said, hey, I see where you guys are coming up to play the Redskins uh, in preseason. Would you like a tour of the White House? So Simon said, yeah, sure, why not? Okay. And he didn't mean the whole team, but he meant, well, you know, tell me, tell me how many guys are coming and whatever, and they were thinking a small contingent. I caught wind of this, and – uh, Rich McKay was the GM at the time. Um, there were several other front office people with us. And um, I, I asked McKay, there's a couple players too, not necessarily frontline guys, but I asked McKay when I heard about it, I said, is there any way, is there any way I could be part of that contingent? He goes, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll see if there's room. You, you're welcome to come if, if we got room. Well, they took like two vans over there. And I got on, I got on the pass list and I followed these guys. And the great thing about it was not only did we get to tour the White House, um, you know, you start off in the, in the uh, like I said, in the East Wing, um, very often where, you know, you'll see ceremonies uh, in the East Wing for Medal of Honor and the First Lady greets people there and there's a lot of stuff. And it just, the, you know, some of the things in the White House itself, like, uh, you know, they showed us um, a big theater that Clinton had where we watch sports and movies and it was pretty cool and then um you know the china room where you know each president and first lady pick out you know sort of their own dishes for state dinners and things and they're all displayed there so the various you know various things i don't know if you ever saw in the american president there's mm-hmm. a scene where he the dish he, room the dish room yes yeah, she calls it the dish room 
and so uh, that was neat. But then um, he gets on his little, you know, little earpiece and he says, you know, Clinton wasn't back yet. He had been somewhere, camp, either Camp David or someplace, and, and he was due back uh, in a couple hours, but he wasn't back yet. So he said, hey, guys, if you really hurry, we can, we can, I can get you over to the West Wing. Well, nobody goes to the West Wing, right? And we're like, yeah, okay. So we all, okay, come on, let's go. So they take you over there, and we go to the West Wing, and there's this room known as the Roosevelt Room because uh, FDR won a Nobel Prize, Nobel Peace Prize. And on the mantle of this fireplace in that room is, is that Peace Prize. So the Roosevelt Room is there, and that's where they have a lot of their uh, you know, Joint Chiefs of Staff meetings, and it's right outside the President's office. And not just any office, the Oval Office. So we're sitting in the Roosevelt Room, and there's you know one of these, I don't know how many, you know, two feet thick doors that swing open, um, and that's the Oval. And he goes, "Okay, if we hurry, you guys can go inside the Oval Office." And I, to this day, I still can't believe I stood inside the Oval Office got a picture taken behind the Resolute desk, which is the desk that was used originally by Abraham Lincoln and later by John F. Kennedy. You remember the famous picture of mm-hmm. John John in the in the center of that desk? Yep. Uh, and Clinton had, had, had brought it back in the Oval. And it was incredible to be there, you know, the most powerful office in the world, and to think of, you know, the history of, of that place and, and, and the crisis that, that unfolded right there, you know, beneath your feet. Just... Justin, for a kid from 1529 Robinson Drive, I mean, you know, in St. Petersburg, I mean, this is this is big stuff. And um, and so I've always held that place in high regard and, and everybody should. And it's, you know, I don't know what we'll see. We, you know, we walked at that time, we walked from the east wing uh, through the Rose Garden, the whole deal um, to the west wing. I, I don't know if this ceremony will be in the Rose Garden, exactly where they're going to do it. Um, but. I'm excited to go back because it was it was just a like I said the history of that of that city um, of that building obviously everything that's around it um, is to me you know just just so cool so I have uh, a similar story so do you cool I, I was not in the Oval Office but fairly close uh huh so it was 2005 I was working with the Atlanta Braves right and one of the guys who was kind of the head of our network uh, his brother was a Secret Service agent in D.C. So one of his best friends was one of the Secret Service agents who'd been in the White House for years. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't so much like on the security detail, but kind of handled a lot of the things there. Uh, he just retired a couple of years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. So he said, yeah, come on over for a tour. So great. So he's taking us around. There's, there's regular tours going on, but he's taking us separately. Right. And we're, we're upstairs at this area, and he's like, I can't go any further than this because the president's in the building today. Yeah. We're like, Okay. You know, no problem. You know, he's like, but so he's showing us around and we're in this room. And all of a sudden, from across, from the next room over, and there were some dividers and stuff, you hear, all right, let's eat. And we're like, <laughs> that was W. I mean, we, I mean, it was clear as day. You could tell. They, their meeting wrapped up and they went to go eat. We're like, wait, he's just on the other side of the wall? <laughs> Which was really cool. So we, we go around a little more. And he's like, yeah, let's, we'll just cut out this way. 
He takes a key out, opens the door, and boom, we're in the Rose Garden. Like, what the? Oh, wow, that's you know, cool, just, yeah. you know, There are other tours are going this way. We're going through the Rose Garden. Yeah. So the president's getting ready to leave on Marine One. Marine to go One's somewhere. out there. So yeah. we're standing on the rope line. It's, it's myself, it's Chip Carey, and Joe Simpson, Braves announcers. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the president's a big baseball fan. So he goes, sometimes the president comes over and says hi, but most of the time he doesn't. But, you know, he can, okay. So we're standing on the rope line there. The president comes out. Everyone's waving. And the president turns and looks, and, you know, he waves. And then he does a double take. He sees Chip Carey. Like, he's like, I know those guys. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, I don't know if he figured it out or it was just but like, well, wait a minute. Him, yeah. He knew something too, was up. Too familiar, yeah. You could just tell the double take he did. You know, he did the yeah. wave, and then it was like, wait a minute. But yeah. he didn't stop. He ended up going on. But we got to see Marine One take off from the lawn there, which was really cool. And but yeah, let's eat. We're like, that was W. Let's <laughs> eat. I mean, we it was clear it, as day. Uh, just across the, you know, just on the other side of a wall from us. It was like, wow. Call it baseball and Espanolo. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot uh, of strategery uh, in baseball right now. Tra- strategery. <laughs> the ra- the Rays ver- do strategery really well. Verify verification. <laughs> Verification. So that's that's my White House story. Of- yeah, that's a good one. I mean, hey, anything you know near and around the president. I didn't get to see Marine One, and I didn't get to hear it. Um, but uh, the Oval. I mean, we. I had the Oval. It was it was incredible, and it was just uh, like I said. I don't know if we're gonna. The other thing we did was, um, you know, the president has the White House has a kitchen that's pretty much operates twenty four hours a day, <laughs> and. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of down in the basement area a little bit um, south. Uh, you got to go downstairs. What was cool about it was uh, there are, you know, uh, way back in the day, uh, I want to say the British somebody somebody burned the white somebody torched the White House. It got you know burned, um, and Dolly. That's when Dolly Madison. Yeah, it was in the War of eighteen twelve. Yeah, grabbed grabbed the painting of George Washington and mm-hmm. ran outside in the burning yep. White House, and she saved it and all this stuff. So we heard all those stories. So you, if you go down to the kitchen area, there's an archway that goes into the kitchen, and you can look on the stone above the arch, and you can see, you know, the burn marks uh, from that fire. It's like one of the few places they haven't uh, covered it up or repainted it or anything like that. It's really cool. So yeah, now it was just it was just really cool. And I I listen. Uh, I think again, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you know what I mean. Like you want the full experience. Okay, so. You've seen these championships. Um, you know, the last ones, a lot of them played without full stadiums, most of them without full stadiums. Uh, obviously, the Lightning changed that, that turned around in their Stanley Cup run. But, you know, this is part of, of being able to celebrate as a community. You've had the boat parades. You know, now you get to see uh, your team stand up there in the Rose Garden or the White House or whatever and receive uh, or give gifts to the president, what have you. And again, it's part of that we are the champions type of experience that every fan base should experience, and you're going to get to do that on Tuesday, so good for them. And then, of course, uh, Thursday will be the ring ceremony, so we'll have lots to talk about uh, with that involved. So uh, the other thing that, that I thought was big over the weekend is this whole expansion draft, which is going to happen on Wednesday with the, the Kraken out there in Seattle. And we now know who the Lightning protected and who they didn't. Any surprises, Steve Bursting? I think at first it was a surprise or could have been. Uh, so what they chose to do is instead of protecting three defensemen and seven forwards, right, and a goalie, of course, they protected Vasilevsky. Right. They decided to protect four defensemen, which means you only get four forwards to defend to protect. Mm-hmm. So they determined that Ryan McDonough 
protecting him because you presu- they had to protect Hedman right. because he has a no move clause, and of course you're not going to not protect him. Sergachev and Chernak are young defensemen. You want to protect and keep long term. So the question was: Do you protect Ryan McDonough or do you get three more forwards to protect? And they mm-hmm. chose Ryan McDonough. Meaning that forwards, they had to protect Stamkos and Kucherov because both of them have no move clauses, which means they couldn't right. be exposed in the expansion draft. They also protected Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. Right. So that means Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, Yanni Gord, mm. Andre Palat, Ross Colton, Mitchell Stevens, Patrick Maroon. All those guys are exposed. Is Ross Colton exposed? Yes. Oh. He's Yikes. it's only in his first year, but he's in his second NHL contract. He's a college guy. He's an older guy. He's twenty four. So I didn't realize he was exposed. Mm-hmm. Alex Barry Boulay. Yeah. Uh, now the other move that happened over the weekend too, so people know, Barclay Goodrow was his rights were traded to the Rangers for a seventh round draft pick. Barclay Goodrow is an unrestricted free agent. Free agency yeah. starts on the twenty eighth. The Lightning were going to lose him. This allows the Rangers to negotiate and try to reach right. And, and the word is they're close on a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll happen before free agency. And, and the word around the league was Barkley was going to get a six-year deal. Mm. Teams were ready to offer him six years, which the Lightning just really couldn't manage. So they, now, got, how- they got a seventh-round draft pick for him. Blake Coleman's also an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, Maybe they'll try to resign him, maybe not. They are going to have to shed some payroll. But to me, what this says, per- by keeping Ryan McDonough, if you want to go for a third straight cup, if you're serious about winning a third straight cup next year, then you had to protect Ryan McDonough. Seeing how well he played this playoffs, how well he played this year, mm-hmm. you needed to protect your top four D. Right. Because, okay, Sergachev and Hedman and Chernak are your top three, but who's your fourth defenseman? You know, Jan Ruda. I mean, he plays with Hedman, but he doesn't get those kind of minutes. David right. Savard's a free agent. No. You know, Luke Shen, maybe you bring him back on a team-friendly deal. He's a free agent, too. Cal Foote, mm-hmm. who's exposed, he's a restricted free agent. You'll bring him back, assuming Seattle doesn't take him. Now, how many can Seattle claim off one team? One. one Just per team. one? Yes, one per team. Okay. Now, it's possible Julian Breezeball has a side deal with Seattle so that they to take say, a certain take player. player and, yeah. Yeah. They did that in, in, with Vegas in 2017. They right. gave up a second-round draft pick plus the rights to Nikita Gusev for the the Golden Knights to take Jason Garrison, who they wanted to get rid of his contract. He had a year left. I don't remember. It was like four or five million, but they needed to get rid of that contract, and they, you know, he wasn't in their plans going forward. So they traded a second-round pick and Nikita and the rights to Nikita, Nikita Gusev. They hadn't signed him, but they owned his rights. Yeah, um, to do that. Now, the word around the league is Seattle's costs have been extremely high. Like, you want us to take your guy, it's a first and a third. That's what's been rumored around the league. Now, now that the expansion lists are out there, we know who's protecting who's not, maybe the price comes down for Seattle. Mm-hmm. And, and it, may, it may depend on, hey, we really want you to take, let's say it's Alex Kalorn off our hands. Right. And maybe they really the want Alex Kalorn. Maybe yeah. they really want Alex Kalorn. So it's like, okay, well, you know, we can go for less. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, now now that the lists are out there and you know who's protecting, you saw a flurry of trades before Saturdays, before everyone had to turn in their their protected list because they you know, instead of losing a player for nothing, some you know, teams got something. Right. Um the expansion draft is Wednesday. 
Seattle right now has, I believe, a 48-hour window to negotiate with unrestricted free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if they sign an unrestricted, like say they sign Blake Coleman, they go to him. The free agency doesn't start till the 28th, but so they go to him this week, come to a deal, he wants to go there, then the Lightning won't lose a player because they signed him. Most free agents I don't think are going to do that because... So no if players if are if exposed if you re-sign a free agent. Yeah, if they sign one of your free agents in this or exclusive, they sign yeah, one. they have they have okay. a they have a window of for forty eight hours. Seattle has a Seattle does window. correct. Yeah. Yes, got it. But okay. if you're willing to test free agency, why would you want to sign before you get to oh, see well, what everybody you, else? Yeah, they'd have to offer. blow you away. Yeah, they'd have to. Or have to, you really want to be there? Maybe you're you know from that area or perhaps yeah you know you really like to coach or you know mm-hmm. you know I mean there's things that you may go hey I really want to be in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it was Vegas back four years ago. Uh, but they do have that opportunity. Or, it, you know, hey, they offered a contract we think is bigger than we can get on the free agent market. You know, we've, you know, most players or agents tend to know what a player's worth about. Right. They want to blow you away. Great. So um, how does this – I mean, here's the thing. I, I see these names, and, and a couple of them, you know, really uh, – you, you think about losing a Yanni Gord, for example, mm-hmm. who – is such an energy guy, such a relentless player. Um, you know, one of the reasons I think that they've, they've been successful these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You could say a lot about Palat, too. I mean, Ross Colton, I mean, that guy looks like a real promising young star. He had mm-hmm. the biggest moment uh, with his goal in Game 7, and, and it's surprising. And you just don't know which way Seattle's going to go. A lot of it will have to do with the other players that are available on that list from other teams. Well, that that's the thing, is everyone – looks at this in a vacuum. Yeah. Who would you My take team. off the lightning? Yeah. Well, it depends on, you know, they're looking at the big board because there's a couple things Seattle has to do. One, they have to draft, I think it's over $60 million worth of players. Okay. So they can't just take all rookies. You can't just say we're going all 21-year-old, 22-year-old rookies mm-hmm. because you've got to take some contracts on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got a floor to hit in salary. There's that. Now, one of the things Vegas did very well is, first of all, you're going to be drafting 30 players. You're not going to have 30 players on your roster. So some of these players you're going to draft and then trade. You're going to maybe, – maybe there's a team that really wants Alex Kalorn. So Seattle could draft him and then trade him to someone else. And Alex may not be the right because he's got a modified no trade clause, so there's teams he couldn't be traded to per se. But right, but they can use that strategically yeah. to get get more draft picks. Right. So because they can't keep 30 players on the roster. Yeah. Right. So they may take some guys they plan to put in AHL, but there's also going to be some guys they flip immediately. And Vegas did this too. They there was a few players they drafted and flipped right away, mm-hmm. and got mostly draft picks at that point or young prospects that they could put in in the AHL in that that's building for the future. Because, like I said, you're drafting 30 players, but you can't keep 30. Your roster is 23 during the season. Um, but, the, you know, so, but the other part that Vegas did very well is they did not take term on deals. Jason Garrison, who the Lightning wanted them to take, did a side deal. He had one year left on his deal. So after one year, they were off the hook, and, and their, their salary going into the second year – they had they could do anything they wanted with resign guys or go out and sign big free agents or because they didn't they really there it may have been a con, like Mark Andre Fleury they took he had some term to his deal but for mm-hmm. the most part the guys they took that had money on their deals 
We're, we're only one year left. On. They were one year, yeah. That's a guy like Andre, Andre Pilat, who's and a guy, yeah, got Pilat. one one year at five point three million on his deal. And a guy like Kalorn has three years, I believe. Right, Kalorn's got two, but he's two, at a okay. very friendly number of four point four five million as okay. far as a cap hit. Yeah, um, that's a pretty friendly number for a guy like Kalorn. Mm-hmm. Yanni Gord's got four years left at five point one six six million. Yeah, but what a player! I mean, oh I no, no, hate... and they may take him. But he's yeah. also 29, too. He's a little older. Mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson's got three years left at $5 million. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if I'm looking at the roster, and granted, I'm looking in a vacuum because I'm not looking around. Yeah, you don't have the list. Yeah, well, you know, in, in knowing what they think. But Yanni Gord looks enticing, but he does have four years left. Mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson's got three. I think Andre Palat's enticing because he's got one year left at 5-3. Yeah. That's a very enticing pick. But – you know the one that may really be enticing is Cal Foot. Or what about Ross Colton? What about the other young guy? Ross Colton too. But, you know, a young defenseman that mm-hmm. did well in his time in Tampa this year, right. getting his Develop first taste of the NHL, he's 22 years time, old, yeah. got mm-hmm. some offensive skill, improving on the defensive end, a right. right-handed shot defenseman, which sometimes are harder to find than left-handed shots. Mm-hmm. To me, Cal Foot's a very enticing pick for Seattle. Yeah. I think Ross Colton is too, don't get me wrong. And maybe Alex Barry Boulay, if you really think he's got a high ceiling. Um, I mean, you know, the Lightning played him on the top line for several, for seven or eight games this year. Right. You're not putting him up with Stamka or uh, with uh, Point and Pilat if you don't think he's got skill. Now, assuming that, like, one of these guys might, mm-hmm. is likely to be picked, but what, what about the ones that are on the list that, that are they all coming back? Are they, are some still going to be dealt or some still going to be optioned? I mean, they still will, more than likely. Well, if a young guy's taken a Colt and a Barry Belay, they'll definitely need to shed more payroll. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're at, I want to say they're three and a half, four million over the cap for next year. And they've only got 17 players signed. Mm. You know, you don't have a backup goalie on the roster yet. Right. Um, you only have five defensemen on the roster. Now, Cal Foote's a restricted free agent. You'll you re-sign him if he's not drafted. you got some young guys we'll call up. But, yeah, they're going to have to shed some more payroll, particularly if Seattle doesn't take a big contract. Right. If they don't take Palat or Gord or Johnson or Kalorn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're taking a, a Ross Colton, who's you know, going to make – well, he's got, he's got arbitration rights and he's a restricted free agent. He may make, you know, a million dollars this coming year. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, but if they don't take a big contract, and so you know, you look at this, some big names out there. I mean, Carey Price was unprotected by the Canadians. Yeah, I saw that. He waived his no move clause, and he's, you know, that's a. Does see? I don't. You know, I don't think Seattle ever envisioned him being out there, but they wanted to protect right. Jake Allen as their backup, mm-hmm. presuming that Seattle wouldn't take so his contract. I think get, he's got. Uh, I think he's got five years at like twelve million a year left, or something. Maybe you get, a, and he's older, but maybe like another Marc-Andre Fleury type situation mm-hmm. where you have a veteran goaltender that can play. Right. Well, you could do that, but you could also take Carey Price and flip him. I mean, Carey so, Price is 10-5 for uh, five years. Mm-hmm. You know, you could then go trade him to somebody too. So, I mean, sure. there's lots of things to look at as far as, you know, it, it's easy to sit there and go, oh, they're, they're going to lose Yanni Gord for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, but there's also uh, – what forwards do they view as, you know, where do they rank Yanni Gord among the forwards? You know, I mean, does anyone think Yanni Gord's a top-line center? Not on this team, he's not. Well, but I mean, on any team, do you think he's a top-line center? No, probably not. Is I he mean, a second-line center? Yeah. 
Maybe it depends on the team. Well, maybe, and and so you know, this is where you're. You know, you have to look at how you're going to build your team and go. Okay, yeah. a guy that's making five point one six million. Yeah, if he's not, a if he's going to be a third or fourth line center for us, right? Is that worth it in our? You know, it, right. you know, every team's and you're, but you're looking at across the league of okay, I'm, let's take on Carey Price's contract. There's ten point five million. Okay, that's twelve percent mm-hmm. of the cap this year. That we've already, you know, so you as you're building this team, you, you're trying to figure that out. But you're also seeing, you know, okay, this team has interest in Yanni Gord. Maybe I draft them and trade them and flip them. They, or, there's there's know. a reason for all those guys to be on that list. I would just mm-hmm. say this. Tell me the one guy on that list that he's on there strategically for a re- one reason or another to protect other players that they, mm-hmm. like you said, McDonough or whoever they deem better uh, for their situation. But tell me the one guy. That if, you know, truth serum, sodium pentothal was in Julian Breezebaugh's veins, who says, I really don't want them to take this guy. Who would it be? One guy. I'll say two. It's Yanni Gord and Andre Pilat. Okay. For this year. Okay. You know, trying to win a, a back-to-back. To back. A three-peat, yeah. Yes. Andre Pilat on that top line. I think he compliments Point and Kucherov so well on that line. Yeah, and Yanni Gord, I think he provides an energy not just to his line but the team. Yeah, and, and I know, think knowing that you've lost Goodrow and most likely have lost Coleman, I think it's Gord. I I, I yeah. don't even, you know, yeah. and I, I like Palat too. And I would have said one of those two. And, but and I, I like Kalorn a lot. And, and, and yes. I, you know, I really don't want to lose Kalorn either. I mean, now, but keep in mind they won six. They you know they played six mm-hmm. what four games without him mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup final and won. Well, look, I mean... Uh, well, maybe they don't get there without him. I'm just saying. He's a big part of their, their hockey team, but... Yeah. And here's the, here's the other thing of why Julian Breesbrough protected four defensemen and only four forwards is that they have forward depth in their organization. They don't have a ton of defensive depth. Right, right. And so you need Ryan McDonough for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got Calfoot. You've got Ben Thomas. You've got a couple others that you hope can can come up from AHL and give you some minutes. And maybe if Luke Shen will sign another team-friendly deal, he's back next year. They re-signed uh, Frederick Clayson, who they had traded for this year from San Jose, yeah. know, a two-way contract so he can go between the NHL and AHL next year. But they don't have a ton of, of top-end defensive depth in this organization. And, you know, so the next one I'd hate to lose, although it's not necessarily for this year to repeat, but it's, it's Cal Foote. You know, he's he's. You don't have a ton of defensive depth in this organization, and you know they're probably going to have to continue to do free agent signings. Now, there's been some big name defensive players that just got bought out this week: Keith Yandel in Florida, Brent Suter in Minnesota. If you remember Kevin Shattenkirk two years ago, he was bought out by the Rangers, so the Lightning were able to sign him for like less than two million dollars. Because he was getting paid three or four million from New York as part of his buyout deal, so he was able to sign a very team friendly deal for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk. There could be some opportunities that way, but Ryan McDonough, you know, him and Chernak together as your shutdown defensive pair allows Hedman not to be on your shutdown defensive pair. I mean, that's that's the other part of what Ryan McDonough and what he does is it allows Hedman not to necessarily play against the top lines. So he can be more offensive in nature and and do what he does and play that full 200-foot game. And so 
you know, Julian Breezebois made this decision, in my opinion, on this is all about three-peating next year. Even though we're going to have to shed some some payroll, some guys are going to be gone. We know Goodrow is – we've already traded. Coleman's most likely gone. But this is all about if we can keep that top four defense together, Root is your fifth, whether it's Luke Shen or Cal Foot or Ben Thomas or maybe a, another guy you sign – we're going to be fine on the back end. We've got Andre Vasilevsky behind that. We've got enough depth at forward that we'll, we'll be fine. It's about, as John Cooper always says, it's not about how many you put in the net, it's how many you keep out. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and listen, I, I, I would trust the guy implicitly. It's, it's one of those mm-hmm. deals where everybody's going to lose a player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of guys on that list to get, you know, everybody has an attachment to emotionally. I know when I read it to my girls, they were like, no. But if you understand, they can only take one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they don't lose five. It's not yeah. like here's the list and they can pick whoever they want, how many yeah, they ex- want. Yeah, exactly. one per team. It's one per team. So, um, you know, one of those guys will get claimed possibly, and, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. But I, um, it, is, it is sort of numbing when you when you see that list and you see guys like Gordon Plot on there and, and uh, Kalorn. Well, for the first time in this eight-year run that they've had, seven, eight seasons that they've been, you know, yeah, extremely successful is that this is the first time they've had to really get rid of players. I mean, last year they traded Cedric Paquette and Braden Coburn to free up some salary space. And mm-hmm. then with the Nikita Kucherov going on long-term injury relief, it they didn't have to make some of those decisions last year like they thought they had. Right. That this is what happens when you get really good. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. it, it, it's going to happen to the Bucks at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just now for the first time started, you know, signing deals of, you know, that's going to have some money in the future. They tied kicked up. the can down yeah. the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they absolutely yeah. did because they see the window and that's what mm-hmm. the lightning see. They see a window here mm-hmm. where you can win, win it all, win the Stanley Cup. And what are you playing for? I always say this, yep. like, well, if you're not playing to win a championship, then what are you building? I mm-hmm. mean, if you if you're there and you've just won two in a row and your core is together and you think you can make it three in a row, then you go for it. That's mm-hmm. That's why Tom Brady is here. That's why, you know, the, the the Bucks will do what they can to to push some salary cap money, and that's why they have twenty two starters back. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of parallels between what the Lightning did and bringing everybody back. You know, keeping that group together to try to make another run and go back to back is with what the Bucks are trying to do. Exactly the same thing, and you know, those guys. You know they understand that they understand that this is a small window. If you're Dominican Sue, mm-hmm. if you're Jason Pierre-Paul, if you're Shaq Barrett, who resigned um, and may have left some money on the table, but you know came back for and listen. We're not holding telethons here; is seventy-two million dollars, but nonetheless, he didn't look around very long or very hard because he wanted to be part of the same group and go back to back. And I think that's that's what happened in the case of the Lightning. It's it's the same reason why so many of these guys are returning with the Bucks and. You know that that window is there, so you got to go for it. I mean, you have to go for it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to win it all. So. Well, and that, that's why you know the last two years they traded uh, a number one draft pick for Barclay Goodrow, mm-hmm. number one draft pick, and a former number one draft pick, Nolan Foot prospect, to get yep. Blake Coleman, yep. and then they traded a number one draft pick to get David Savard. Mm-hmm. Is that they're going for it? They have yeah. for the last two seasons, mm-hmm. and. You know, this move they of won. protecting Ryan McDonough instead of your bevy of forwards right. 
shows me that you think you're going to win again this year or that's your plan. You're going for it again this year. Which, and why wouldn't you? I mean, well, listen, absolutely. They, they, you know, this is the best team in hockey and their, their core is so solid. And I'm sorry, but if 88 is between the pipes, you have a chance every year. It's just like if Tom Brady's your quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't care what team he's on. You, you know, you're thinking about a Super Bowl because the guy has gone there half of his career. Uh, and he's and he's won seven of them now. So I mean, yeah, that's that's what you do. You when you have those type of players um, in your system, then you try to win championships in as many as you can. Mm-hmm. I remember I've had this conversation with people. You know, the trade for John Gruden bankrupt that franchise in terms of draft picks. Two number ones, two number twos, and then the eight million dollars. But you know, it it, it was you know it, it eventually caught up to him. The the bill came due. But there isn't anybody I've ever talked to that said, would you, would you make that trade for John Gruden again? They all, to a person, say yes, because they won a Super Bowl. Now, you would like to not have seen you know, 12 years without playoffs uh, after Gruden was, was let go, but, you know. Um, yeah, but there were some organizational decisions. There was a, yeah, there was, that. The, I mean, they, that wasn't Gruden's fault. Was a, I mean, there know, was, when they got rid of Gruden, they spent three years of spending no money. Exactly. And they and you know, it was uncapped years and, and the Glazers were bought man you. There's a lot of reasons we can get into about that, but you know, the bottom line is, you know, Gruden brought them a Super Bowl, went to a couple more playoffs after that, won a division after that, and you know, then the then the time ran out on them. But everybody would do that again, and I think that's the case with the Bucks. There will come a time, uh, in the not so distant future when Tom Brady, whenever that is, if he doesn't play till he's fifty, but let's say he just plays two more years. Um, there's going to be some lean, lean times in terms of salary cap. Well, until Aaron Rodgers signs here, I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, that that would have been my strategy: is you know, do a futures deal with Aaron Rodgers and make a trade there. They may have been done but, on the golf course. You don't know. I mean, you know, they might have worked out something. Yeah, I mean, the timing could have been. I, yeah, that's another thing. We are just days away now. I mean, this time next week, we'll be talking to you about the first practice of training camp. Can you believe that? And we'll see if if uh, you know Aaron Rodgers shows up to his training camp when the time comes. But and and I suspect he will. That's just my gut. I, I still don't think he's going to sit out a year. And and I don't know. You know that the Packers would ever uh, entertain the idea of trading him now. Um, that's going to be something to watch. But yeah, it should be interesting. So yeah, go for it uh, and don't get too upset because uh, most of those players, if not all but one, are coming back to to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They'll decide what they're going to do with that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays continue their role. They've won now 8 out of 10. They come back uh, in against a pretty good Atlanta team over the weekend after the All-Star break and win 2 out of 3. Uh, the only game that got away from them, Josh Fleming wasn't very sharp. I think they got beat 9 to nothing in that yeah, one. Yeah, Max Fried was really good for Atlanta that game. Yeah, he was lights out. And, and uh, I think you mentioned this. It wasn't the best defensive series that the Rays mm. have played, although the catch by Kevin Kiermeyer on Sunday was spectacular and likely saved a couple of runs. Yeah, there were lots he of extra outs day. given. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. Just just not raise not really the raise type of playing uh type of baseball. But hey, credit them uh, for both Friday night and Sunday afternoon. They came from behind and won those games. And finally won 
a game on Friday in extra innings, something they hadn't done in quite a while mm-hmm. on the road. That's 28 so, come-from-behind victories this year for the Rays. That's that's just phenomenal. I mean, that's big-time stuff. Well, and, and Neil Solans was talking about this on the, the radio postgame show. When you have a great bullpen, and right. the Rays statistically – they do. Their bullpen's the best in baseball, ERA yeah. and that. Absolutely. That when you have a great bullpen, if you can just stay close, because mm-hmm. when you get to the bullpen, you're pretty confident they're going to shut them down most nights. You just need to keep staying close. Right. And if their starter's good, get try to get their starter out and get to the other. I mean, Atlanta's bullpen's a mess, which they came back on Atlanta's bullpen twice. Twice, yeah. Um, you know, most teams don't have the bullpen the Rays do. No. You know, and the Rays are doing this with some injury. You know, Oliver Drake's not there. Nick Anderson's not there. Right. Uh, Diego Castillo's not even near the top of your high leverage. He's not being anymore. used, yeah, for no. high leverage. No. I mean, you know, they don't really have an A and B bullpen, but you know, there's a lot of guys that have passed Castillo on the high leverage situations. If you watch recently, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they have a lot of good arms back there, and and you know, you just need to stay close in games. Yeah. And you know, wait for your bats to wake up sometimes. And, and right. you know, get through maybe get through a starter that's rolling and you know, get to their bullpen and your bullpen will keep it close as long as you don't give up a six spot like Fleming did on on Saturday in the what, the fourth inning. I mean, listen, they're uh the Yankees uh battered the uh, Boston Red Sox on I guess it was Sunday night, and so like now the Rays are just a half game back out of first mm-hmm. place. The Baltimore Orioles are coming to town. That's a team that they have owned and a lot of teams have owned over the last few years. So, you know, a chance to uh, to beat up on those guys and win another series at home. So now You're only half you know, you, game behind Boston. That's why I said that you can find the Rays back in the lead in the AL East here in just minutes. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, going to be that quick that they could be back on top. And again, playing good baseball, 8 out of 10 uh, that they have won. So um, no reason for uh, for Kevin Cash and those guys to not think that they're going to take, take this and keep going. I. I still think I, I would love to see them with another starting pitcher. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, you know. Their bullpen has been lights out. If I had to add one thing, maybe that would be it. I've been impressed, though, by the way the at-bats have gone. Austin Meadows is an RBI machine. Uh, he's doing this not just with home runs but with base hits. He had two sack flies mm-hmm. on Sunday for RBI, so he's driving in a ton of runs. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Lau still hitting the ball well. Um you know, yeah, who would have thought a, he'd be leading the team in home runs at this point after the yeah, start he got off to? After the start, yeah. Um, he's definitely hitting the big fly, but he's, he just looks more confident swinging the bat really well. Wander Franco looks lost a little bit, uh, although he had a big day on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, including a home run. Um, it's going to take him some time, particularly he's been struggling uh, You know, uh, batting left-handed. Yes, uh, I think he's around 200 or so overall. Um, so, you know, I'll ask you this question, and, and, and there's – I think I know the answer. They traded – well, I mean, they traded Willie Adamas knowing that Wander Franco would eventually be here, okay? Well, and they it, also think Taylor Walls is a better defensive shortstop. And they think than Taylor Walls right now is a better defensive shortstop. And so Walls mm-hmm. was going to take over. So they, they created that room. They carved that space out. And now we have Walls and Franco uh, and Bruhan up here. Um, have you seen what Willie Adamas has done in Milwaukee? Well – First of all, if you've watched Willie Adamas here the last few years, knowing that he wasn't going to play any more games at the Trop immediately raised his batting average like 50 <laughs> points because it's he right. always hit well on the road. He just couldn't hit at the Tropicana Field. So now every game he plays is on the road, so it's, he's okay now because um, Milwaukee is now his road team. 
You know, and I, I saw someone tweeted, it wasn't us, but, you know, boy, the, the Brewers just eviscerated the Rays in that trade for Willie Adamas. Right. Well, first of all, J.P. Fireisen has been a pretty good pitcher. He's helped that bullpen. Yeah, it's been lights out. The Rays yeah. think Drew Rasmussen's going to be the better pitcher long term in that deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you were able to call up young guys. I mean, to me, to be honest, it's the, a win-win. The Milwaukee yeah. trade looks like a win-win trade. Milwaukee got what they wanted. They needed a shortstop. Yeah, they needed an energy guy and, and a guy to help in the. And he sparked them right Absolutely. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're you know something like sixteen games over five hundred. The Rays are ten games over five hundred since they traded Adamas, and that included a seven game losing streak. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like the Rays. You know, no, they didn't did go you want to get rid of Willie? Got, no, no, you didn't. Yeah. But you had guys in the system. You needed help in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and so you made a deal. And it turns out it's going to be. It looks like at this point a win-win for both sides. That's what trades are supposed to be. Yeah, you know, it's not often you get the the you know Chris Archer for Tyler Glass <laughs> now right. Shane Boz and uh, Austin Meadows and Austin Meadows deal. Yeah, you know that's that doesn't happen very often. Most of the time. It's a win-win deal. I mean, you know, right. the David Price deal for Willie Adamas. It looked early mm-hmm. on like the Tigers got the best of it, but the Rays didn't get Willie Adamas once he gets up to the big leagues and that. I mean, you know, like they said, the guy that was tweeting that the, the Brewers eviscerated. Well, first of all, Rasmussen's a young pitcher. Fire Eisen's been good in the bullpen. I mean, how do you say they've eviscerated? Yes, Adamas has done great in Milwaukee. And, and you know, good for him, and, and it's great, and, and that's the reason Milwaukee traded for him, and it's working out, and you love to see it for Will. You love to see it for guys like that. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah, And absolutely. he's done he's, – he's gone through those stretches here, too, with the mm-hmm. home runs, uh, hitting a lot of balls the other way to right field, and mm-hmm. um, the power. I, mean, I think he's driven in quite a few runs in the games that he's played. So, you know, it is – you're happy for him, and, and we'll see, you know, what happens to the Brewers down the road. Tell you what – the city of Milwaukee getting ready to celebrate another championship, an NBA championship. They're not quite Champa Bay, but they're trying to come close. They're trying to get there, man. I mean, you know, they need one more win over the Phoenix Suns and their yeah. NBA champions. And the and Brewers are running away right now with the Central. Yeah. They've really we'll distanced themselves. Aaron Rodgers comes back. I mean, what if, you know, can turn quickly. It can. You never know. It's a great, uh, great sports town up there, and they're really enjoying. I'm enjoying the NBA. Play- I've gotten into the NBA playoffs now. I'm a big Giannis fan. I, I really love what he represents and kind of how he goes about his job. And uh, to win three in a row after being down two zero is a pretty good story. So um, I'm kind of hoping they close that thing out. But that's been that's been fun to watch. So finally, on uh, I don't know if you saw. I, I love watching the Open Championship from mm-hmm. Great Britain because it's over at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. I get to watch it early in the morning. Colin Morikawa wins the Open Championship. He does it. He was so good. Two, two strokes over Jordan Spieth. He 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 just lapped the field. I mean, um, this thing turned in a hurry. Uh, Usain Hazen had the lead for three days and and uh, got off to kind of a rocky start. Uh, Spieth made his charge and and Morikawa just expanded the lead. Like pressure does funny things to people, as John Gruden used to say, it'll burst a pipe. But um, for Morikawa, he got better. Uh, as the finish line got closer, and a lot of times that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've always said this: he's 24 years old. He's uh, what one of one or two or three golfers that have won two majors by age 25 or whatever. Um, special when you're talking about sports, or for that matter, entertainment uh, or anything. If you're special, it shows up early. It shows up at an age when it's not expected. Um, well, Morikawa, I believe this was the first time he'd ever played Lynx golf. It is. He had never played Lynx golf. Mm-hmm. And and he's won. He's the first one 
I think to have won in his first entry in those two majors, the PGA yep. and um, the British Open or the Open Championship in, in Great Britain. So his first start, I mean, if you can imagine that, is just remarkable to do what he's done. And he was a tremendous junior golfer and all that stuff, you know, coming up. But, boy, the poise. And what I like about what's interesting about him, he plays a game that is, is old school a little bit. He's not the longest hitter no. by far his on the tour. His iron game, though. He it's always lethal. picks the right distance. Oh, he and he just he he just hits a lot of fairways and a lot of greens, and and he got his putter fixed. I mean, he's mm-hmm. really uh, knocking down some putts now. So that's what Tiger uh, Woods never got a lot of credit for, but he always had the right distance on his iron shots. Uh huh. It wasn't always the right spot per se. But his he missed he his misses were good. Like he yeah. knew where to miss. Yeah, they're know? not they're not missing short or long. They're, right. You know that's in, in Morikawa. With his irons, oh, yeah, like I said, off the tee is not the best, but with that iron game, you make up for it. And but he hits a lot of fairways. He's just not long, you know. Mm-hmm. He 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 plays the game yep. the way it was played um, years and years ago. Now, of course, you guys got like guys like DeChambeau, you know, driving four hundred yard, right. you know, par fours to the green. But um, but listen, he was he was spectacular. And when, like I said, when they, down the stretch, this thing, you know, can can teeter either way you you know you you screw up and bogey one hole and the other guy birdies is a two-shot swing well, so Spieth lost that guys... tournament on saturday he did he the, lost yeah, he, I was was say a, he was in a tie with morikawa and ustazen yeah and then he bogeyed what, 17 and 18 holes, yeah, he had two. he yeah. had looks at birdie at 17 and 18 mm-hmm. and wound up three putting for bogey and and when he walked off 18 he was so mad that he went straight to the putting green and stormed off um but those two holes obviously with two just two shots there, if he just pars those two holes, and like I said, he had a look at birdie at both of them, um, he winds up in a, in a virtual tie. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, ifs and buts, right? Pressure does funny things. You don't know what happens on Sunday if that's the case. But um, he lost by two shots, and those are the two shots. And he he referenced them when he was uh, talking in the in the post match. He was saying, you know, yeah, but for those those uh, you know those two holes in seventeen and eighteen on Saturday, obviously I've been in a much different position. But he did make a run. Um, he's playing better, you know, he still is worst own worst enemy. Sometimes I think he beats himself up, but he really, it's good to see him back in it. That talk about a guy that, you know, what he went like three out of four majors, I think there mm-hmm. for a while, um, when he came out of the gates and under, you know, 25 the majors in 17, I think. No, but he finally did win a golf yep. tournament this mm-hmm. year and it looks like his game is back and, um, you know, it's good to see him, him, uh, back in contention and finish second. Usheisen, you know, just can't. Seem to have a good Sunday. He's in in the running or in the lead on the all these majors, but can't seem to close He's been the deal. What, second six times at a major. It's incredible, yeah. And I think it's been ten years since he won one or won his only major, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, but it was it was really entertaining to watch. I love uh, morning golf. I like it better than afternoon golf. So that that was a lot of fun. So we had. You know, it's, it's the last weekend, Steve, before uh, training camp. I mean, this is this is it. This yeah. is over. And we the are. Olympics. I mean, or well, they're yeah. going to start this Friday. They start you think they opening finish? ceremonies on Friday. I don't. I, I will listen. I hope I'm wrong. I don't like the way this is trending at all. I mean, there are athletes before they check in to the village over there have tested positive for COVID and are sent back. Um, I just think that this is, you know, for whatever reason, I'm nervous about it. I, I you know, I mean, it's once every four years they put it off. And you just you wonder, you know, what if there is some kind of a, a of a spread of an infection in that um, 
in that Olympic camp because those athletes are pretty close, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so it's just, well, except you know, for the beds, you can only. Fit oh one yeah, you can't get too close. Yeah, they're made of cardboard to keep to keep multiple people off of them. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I love the Olympics. I love watching them, and I uh, haven't been to one unfortunately. My wife has in Greece, but um, I'm 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 excited that uh, that they're here, and I hope that uh, they get to compete. Uh, it's it's always a nice uh, change to to see, and a lot of the Morikawa is going over there to Japan. Um, the USA basketball not playing all that well <laughs> in the lead up to this thing. Uh, that'll be something to watch, um, you know. And of course, LeBron and some of those other guys aren't in it. Steph Curry. Yeah, they're going to get Devin Booker once the finals are done. He'll he'll join the team, and that'll help. Yeah, I think uh, Drew help. Holiday too. Yeah, uh, from the Bucks. So yeah, and he made a they huge got some play. reserves coming. That game the other night in Milwaukee with the steal by Holiday and the dunk by Giannis, it was it was really something to watch. So excited about that! Um, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's tomorrow, let's have our mailbag segment because I've got three or four questions uh, that people have sent in. I know yep. there were a couple left over the other day. Uh, I know that Bucks training camp is around the corner. Uh, tomorrow, I'll talk to you about. I'll give you five reasons. This was in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. If you want a preview of it. And on TampaBay.com, five reasons why Tom Brady will be better. That's right. I said better in 2021 than he was in 2020. We'll talk about that. We'll do your mailbag. Uh, you can send your questions in. Plenty of time here. Do it uh, on Twitter if you want to at SportsDayTB. You can send it to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at TampaBay.com. We'll probably have Tom Jones later this week He as will well. be. He'll be on Thursday's show. Fantastic! We got the uh, the Bucks the Wednesday show. The White we'll be doing House. after yeah the Wednesday show. We'll be doing after you visit the White House. Tuesday, yes, so. I'll be up and back, coming back. So it'll be late when we tape it, but I'll be back uh, from the White House. I'll tell you, uh, you know, all my all my government secrets that I learned while I was there. Uh, who killed Kennedy? All that? No, I don't. Know. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope I hope we get a chance to to tour a little bit of the of the uh, of the White House. I, I know it's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be in and out, but. Um, just so a word of advice. On- don't drink too many Dr. Peppers. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Forrest Gump. Uh, I got a pee. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, what was the other thing that I let's see when I was up there before? Duh, 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 what was it? No, I can't remember. I'm a little nervous about just how, you know, just the mechanics of getting in and out of the White House and where I'm going to work. Is there places they could put me in the White House press room? Am I going to be at a uh, courtyard somewhere, you know, on H Street. I really don't know in Georgetown. I have There's no a big idea. library in town you could go to, probably. Well, there's probably a few, right? Well, I was thinking the Library of Congress, but, you know. Congress? Yeah. I could try <laughs> I'm that. I'm sure I there's more than, than one, but, you know. Yeah, I could try that. There's a few places, I'm sure, that has internet connection. I don't need much, but uh, look for me up there. I will be uh, somewhere near the town. I don't know how close we'll get as a media corps, but um, I did get the, uh, you know, I did get the... Uh, uh, the invitation and the inquiry where you have to, you know, let them do the FBI search. So hopefully my associations with people like you and others won't get me, uh, <laughs> won't keep me out of the white house. Yeah, wait till they call for a reference. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this guy? Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. So it should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun with the ring ceremony later this week. We'll tell you about the rings and what they look like and hopefully we'll get a peek of them. Um, again, that thing's kind of messed up with all the protocols, uh, with respect to uh, COVID and that sort of thing. And then training camp, like I said, players report Saturday, first practice Sunday. So it's a busy week. It's our last week before 
the start of football. Football, NFL football, college football, SEC media days are this week as well. Matt Baker, I think, is in Alabama. Lovely Hoover, I believe. Alabama. Alabama, I'm going to talk to Urban Meyer. Nope, he's in Jacksonville. Uh, who we got? It's beautiful. Hoover, Alabama, where they do the Hoover. media days. Yeah. Which that's where yeah. I lived when I lived in Birmingham. So You did. That's right. It's a suburb of Birmingham. So maybe we'll have a chance to talk to Matt this week. Who knows? We'll, we we got lots of plans, but uh, keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We appreciate you guys listening. For Steve Burstick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 